everybody. Welcome back to the Evil and Eerie podcast. We took a little bit of a hiatus because, well, we've been a little lazy. That's not the real reason, but we're not going to tell you why. Um, <laughs> you can guess. Make up your own theories. Post them online. Comment them. Whoever has the most interesting theory wins. Nothing. So today we are going to do a really, really special fun episode uh, to make up for the, the weeks that we've been out. I know we promised you the, um, the we said we were going to do a really cool one about the Sodder children, who were that family that went missing right. in the fire. Well, you're not getting that. Not but <laughs> we'll do that next week. But we are going to do a, a very special woman um, in my past life. She was my wife. Um, that's what I'm convinced anyway, but we will reveal who we're doing in our, our newest segment, cliffhanger. <laughs> before you do that, before we reveal what we are going to do, make sure you are following us on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, everything, everything. everything. Join us. Be one of the random people that have been liking us on Facebooks. I don't know why people have been doing that, but very interesting. Yeah, I didn't put any. I haven't posted in about a year, so that was weird. Um, but we're getting popular. We are, we are, and you can follow me on TikTok at Renz Genovese, R E N Z G E N O V E S E. I'm posting a lot of TikToks these days, and you'll see Michelle in a lot of them too, because I take videos for both when she is and when she isn't aware. So <laughs> love that. Before we go any further, we have a uh, a new installment of our next segment, Weird Stories of the Week. Take it away. <clears throat> I didn't even realize there was a video. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch it. <laughs> Woman dating alien appears on British Morning Program alongside E.T. Boyfriend. A woman who claims to be dating an alien recently detailed her rather unorthodox relationship during a bizarre segment on a British morning television program. This actress chick <clears throat> last spring um, made headlines after she asserted that she had been abducted by aliens and in the process, an unexpected romance developed between she and one of her interstellar captors. One year later, it would appear the very long distance relationship is apparently still going strong as she provided new insights into this very peculiar connection. Please hold. My favorite part. When asked if her planet is being visited by a variety of ETs, Rose indicated that my boyfriend doesn't want to tell me too much about the topic since the less I know, the less the FBI can interrogate me. <laughs> that said, she revealed that Earth is not a particularly popular place among beings living in space since humans are perceived as self-centered. As such, she observed nobody really wants to come here and that in the alien communities on other planets, it's like a downgrade to be dispatched to Earth. Regarding her romantic relationship, Rose lamented that she could not travel to her boyfriend's home planet due to the limits of the human body and space travel, but he visits the Earth on a frequent basement, <laughs> on a frequent basis. Gets into her basement. And actually takes her out on dates to the cinema. Having been together for a little over a year, she hopes the couple can get married soon. However, being pretty traditional, she expects her ET partner to provide an engagement ring, which has proven to be problematic since the alien has 
no earth money, and does not grasp the concept of marriage. That said, considering the challenges the, couple's ha the couple has already overcome in their interstellar relationship, one would be wise not to bet against them hearing wedding bells in their future. Is that a British article? Yes. Yeah, some of the words were words that my British film professor would say. Um, is it real? There's a video. Of uh, course it's real. You don't believe her? I, I think when you move into your new apartment, that's just... I think when you move into your new apartment... Um, like, would you not be... believe her? <laughs> Look at her. She seems with it. I think when you move oh, into your... So I think when you move... Oh, she's not British? Oh, she's not. She's American. It's scaring me. I don't want to listen to her anymore. I think... Does she scare you more than her? Who's worse? I don't know. I think when you move into your new apartment, there's going to be an alien in the basement waiting to take you out on a date. I hope so. She would go. And if you think I'm kidding, I'm not. I'm not. You would go. You would 100% go. And if they offered to take you to their planet, you would say yes. Yeah. And you would not come back. I would not. You would not. Not if you had the choice. You can have the dogs. They might send you back if they get sick of you, but... But I can have the dogs, though, you said. <laughs> Do I get them if anything happens? <laughs> so, without further ado, we are going to do the fascinating tale of one Dorothea Puente. I don't like her last name. <coughs> Sorry if your last name I is don't Puente. Like her face. Yes, look at. Isn't she beautiful? Um, I would date her if she weren't dead. Um, so I I know you don't know anything about this tale, so this is going to be a blind reaction for you. This is going to be a good one. Uh, and if you enjoy this tale, you can watch the new Netflix show "Worst Roommate Ever." It's a mini series documentary. Is she on it? Yeah, she's the first episode. Oh, can we watch it's it? It's five. Yeah. So well, I've already seen it, but I'll watch it again. All right. Cool. Um, it's five episodes. It's done by uh, Jason Blum, Blumhouse Productions. It's really well done. And it is people that were killed by their roommates, basically. So I thought this one would be an appropriate one to do. Now that you're roommateless, you have nothing to worry about, hopefully. Do I have nothing to worry about? No, I spoke too soon. I gotta turn my camera back on. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to... Read read my notes paragraph by paragraph, and I'll let you react <clears throat> to uh, to each one. So I'll take a little pause in between. That'll also give me a little time to skim ahead. Okay. But so I love that you just printed out the whole Wikipedia. Yeah, I was lazy. <laughs> but I've I, since I've seen the documentary already. It'll be it'll be it won't be too bad. So she was born Dorothea Helen Gray on January 9th, nineteen twenty nine. So she would have. Uh, been in her 90s, if she was still alive. She was born in Redlands, California, to Trudy May Yates and Jesse James Gray. Uh, her parents were both alcoholics. The father threatened to commit suicide a number of times. 
and he died of tuberculosis. And the mother lost custody of the children, so she and her siblings were sent to an orphanage and they were um, abused sexually. Mm. So, rough childhood. Not good. Not ideal. Uh, she was married at age 16 uh, in 1945 uh, to a soldier named Fred McFall who had just come back from uh, World War II. And she actually had two daughters, very young. 16 is very young, too. Right. You can imagine that. She Although that's when my dad's mother started having kids. She could be on so. TV if she was doing that now. I know, honestly. So uh, she had her kids in 1946 and 1948. So before she even turned 20, she had two kids. Yeah. Um, she sent one kid to live with a relative in Sacramento. She didn't want to keep them? Oh, no. Oh, no. And the other one she put up for adoption. She was like, I don't want to have kids. I don't want these kids. Um, and as a result, her husband left her because he was like, well, you got rid of the kids. So what do I need you for? What do I need you for is right. And then, uh, sadly, she suffered a miscarriage mm -hmm. as well. So, but I mean, she probably wasn't disappointed about it. Right. Let's be She wanted me to happen. So her, her criminal activity started very, very young. Actually, 1948, when she had her second child, uh, she was arrested for purchasing female accessories using forged checks in Riverside. She was charged and pled guilty to uh, two counts of forgery, was in jail for four months, and uh, was wow. on probation for three years. Wow. And then she left Riverside after that. So we're off to a great start. Mm -hmm. uh, she married uh, another person, a merchant seaman. Axel Bren Johansson in San Francisco. And that's when really? she started. So she has had a couple of different personas. She doesn't like to use her real, as we Same. will. Yep. So first she called herself Taya Singawala Nearda. <laughs> and she was pretending to be Muslim. <laughs> um, they had a very rocky marriage. Um, or it said Muslim or Israeli, she was trying to be. Mm -hmm. Um, this is Egyptian or Egyptian, I know. <laughs> so she took advantage of um, um, his trips to sea, uh, and when he would go off to sea, she would invite other men into the home Damn. and seduce them and uh, gamble his money away. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Uh, then she got arrested in 1960 um, because she was operating a brothel <laughs> under the disguise of a bookkeeping firm. Ooh. Yeah. She, night and day right there. Um, she was found guilty and had to spend 90 days in the Sin... No, sorry, Sacramento County Jail. Uh, Johansson then had his wife committed to a state hospital. Mm-hmm. After a binge of uh, drinking, lying, criminal behavior, and attempted suicide oh, as well. Dramatic. So they called her a pathological liar with an unstable personality while like she I've, was there. I've met some of those. Mm, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's all we'll say. Because <laughs> I had to stop myself there. So they got divorced in 1966. Mm -hmm. So two divorces and she's not even mm -hmm. 40 yet. And two kids in a miscarriage. Jeez. And two arrests. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. 
And they like, I was really shocked because in the beginning of the documentary, they, they had her and the, her roommate and it was a guy. And I thought the guy was going to be the problem because they were painting her as this like sweet grandma. Yeah. Can't trust those nope. grandmas. Yep. Nope. Nope. Antoinette, we're talking to you. Um, <laughs> so she, she continued to use his last name, which she didn't even take when they got married. She was <laughs> Taya Singalala Nayarda. But now she was Sharon Johansson. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> I was mixing it up. Okay. And then she also pretended... Now she was. She went from being a Muslim or a Jew, whatever religion she was pretending to be, to a Christian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she established her reputation as a caregiver. She started a, a, a business. She would um, provide a sanctuary for young women who were poor or were abused. Okay. How that changes. Okay. So then, 1968, she married Roberto Jose Puente. Uh, they separated after only uh, 16 months of being together. So a year and four months. Um, almost about as long as we've been doing this podcast. So. <laughs> uh, he, She said he was abusing her, basically. Mm -hmm. In 1967, she tried to divorce him. Uh, but he fled to Mexico. So <laughs> it was not finalized until six years later. And uh, they had a very, another, again, rocky relationship between the two of them. Um, but she would keep his last name because she is Dorothea Puente. So uh, she started running a boarding house at 21st and F, 21st and F streets in Sacramento. She uh, established herself as a, a really, well, reestablished herself as a caregiver, um, was helping alcoholics, homeless people. And in the documentary, they started off by saying, like, she would give, like, loads of clothes to the people that didn't have clothes. Mm -hmm. And uh, she would help people out Where like that. Where are the clothes from? You'll see. You'll see. Um, so... Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, she was holding um, Alcoholics <clears throat> Anonymous people for the mentally unstable, um, helping people sign up for Social Security benefits, and she would uh, she basically changed her appearance to be this respectable older woman would wear vintage clothes, granny glasses. She turned her hair gray and established herself as. A member of Sacramento's Hispanic community with, even though she, I don't think she herself was Hispanic, I think she just married in. She funded charities, scholarships, did radio programs, uh, and then she met her fourth husband, um, Pedro Angel Montalvo, although he left only after a week. Uh, <laughs> into the, into the union, he left. Oh. So. Uh -huh. Interesting. So. Um, in 1978, she was charged and convicted of illegally cashing 34 state and federal checks that belonged to her tenants. Five years probation, and she had to pay 4000 in restitution. Hmm. <laughs> I like look over to see what her reaction is. Hmm. <laughs> so that's not interesting not surprising. yet. So, now we're going to get into the fun part. And that is... So... Hmm. We jump to the 80s in April 1982. How old is this lady at this time? So here's 
I was going to, I was waiting for the appropriate time to bring this in, but this is the fun part of the documentary is she was telling people she was in her 70s. She was in her 50s. <laughs> and she was disguising herself to look like she was in her 70s because she wanted to gain people's, to gain people's trust. I knew you would like that one. I feel like we know people that would do that. Oh, oh God. God. So Ruth Monroe, Ruth Monroe's son is interviewed in this, in the documentary. Ruth Monroe started living with uh, Dorothea Puente in her upstairs apartment. Um, she was uh, in her, I want to say in her 50s, 60s. So she was about Dorothea's age, but she didn't know that. She thought Dorothea was about 10 years, 20 years older than her. Oh my gosh. She was, you know, your typical, like, she didn't really have any overwhelming health issues, Ruth Monroe, as according to her son. Uh, they opened a restaurant together. They were operating it. Okay. Things went south. And then all of a sudden, she got really sick. Mm -hmm. uh, her son went to, tried to visit her. Dorothea, I guess, was being really weird. Like, no, let her rest, let her rest. And, uh, well, at first, yeah, she wasn't letting him uh, see her. He forced his way in and said, like, she looked like she was, I think they said in the documentary, like, she was, like, almost a vegetable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but he didn't think anything of it. Like, just thought it was, because she was able to speak and stuff. So she was, seemed very sick. She died the next day. Ugh. Yeah. Awkward. Yep. Uh, from an overdose of codeine, is that how you pronounce mm -hmm. it? And acetaminophen. Is that how you say that too? Acetaminophen. Acetaminophen, okay. Uh, drug names are weird and hard to pronounce. Um, however, Dorothea told police she was depressed because her husband was, uh, was terminally ill. And they ruled it a suicide. Just like Marilyn. Just like Marilyn. So, the next one, um, Malcolm McKenzie, who was 74 years old, he was getting pension. Um, this is one of four people Dorothea was accused of drugging and stealing. Um, sorry, he accused Dorothea of drugging and stealing from him. Uh, she was convicted of three theft charges and sentenced to uh, five years in prison. From that point, she began uh, speaking with uh, Everson Gilmouth, who was 77, again, 20 years older than her. Uh, he was a retiree from Oregon. Uh, so they were pen pals, and their relationship blossomed, came to the point where they were making wedding plans. So this is number mm -hmm. five, I think, or six. <laughs> I, I lost track. So uh, she... Hired a man in 1985 named Ishmael Is Ismael Flores to put some wood paneling in her apartment. Uh, in return, she gave him some money and the uh, red Ford pickup that belonged to her boyfriend in Los Angeles. <laughs> She's like, just take it. Uh, and there was a big box, a big box in it that she had asked him to transport. I remember this part in the documentary. Um, 
she told him, stop at a riverbank and dump the box. <laughs> yeah. So Not you sketchy only, at all. You can only want to take a, a guess as to what was in that box. Who? Everson Kilpell. The man she had been speaking to from prison. That they were making wedding plans. Yep, the body remained unidentified for four <gasps> years. Mm -hmm. So she would continue to accept elderly people, boarders. Um, was popular with local social workers because she accepted the tough case. Wait, did people. he do that? Did he dump the box? Yeah. Oh. He didn't know it was in it. He just goes there. <laughs> I'm not going to open and check. Wouldn't it have been heavy? Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, they said it was uh, a six by three by two foot box. A big one. <laughs> so she would collect tenants' mail um, before they saw it. And she would pay them stipends. Does she want my mail? I'm sure she would. She's probably... She, she probably, probably wrote, wrote that. Yeah, she, I was going to say, she probably wrote some of them. <laughs> She's writing you letters. She misses you. Uh, <laughs> um, so she basically would take their social security checks and their, or their pension, pocket some of it, and give them the rest. Wow. Um, so anyway... Uh, neighbors were noticing the odd activities of a homeless alcoholic named Chief <laughs> Puente hired as her gardener and handyman. Um, Mike. Maybe. Uh, they saw him digging in the garden. Digging holes in the garden. And then he would go over to the, the, the Daybell Vallow house and mm -hmm. dig over there. <laughs> Who needs holes? Um, so, uh, the basement floor was at, at the time, a concrete slab, but Chief dismantled the garage in the backyard and installed a fresh concrete slab there as well. And then Chief disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> so, in 1988, uh, there was an, they actually interviewed, uh, there was a guy named Alvaro Bert, they called him, Montoya, um, and he, he had... I forgot what it was, but he had some mental disorder, psychological disorder. Mm. And he had, there was a woman that they interviewed who was close with him because she was a, a worker and she was like, you know, helping him. So she helped him get a place here, Fort Montoya. Oh, he had schizophrenia, that's what it was. Um, and in the documentary, the woman basically goes, yeah, I, you know, I tried calling him and they said he basically, he, he fled to Mexico. He went back home. And so she was trying to contact him, tried contacting his family, who said, no, he's not here with us. So. Oh, no. Oh, no. We're in the middle of something here. <laughs> so. Uh, eventually, uh, peace, police <laughs> obtained uh they got suspicious. They went into her house. They they saw uh, a lot of a lot of drug bottles. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that threw me off. Sorry. Um, a lot of pill bottles. She had way too much Medicaid. You know, like 
the amount of medication she had was like enough to kill like a zoo, pretty much. Dang, where'd she get it all? Good question, because she also had no license thing at all. So they searched the house. They found that, thought it was weird. Apparently she was very calm very calm about it like answering their questions but also like it's it's hard to describe because i don't want to say like she was fully calm but like because she was trying to hide shit from them mm -hmm. but they said it's just like very weird the vibe she gave off if you watch the documentary you'll see it's they were describing her attitude as very like very eerie mm. evil and eerie Ooh, good thing, so uh they decided to uh to check the there was something i forgot what it was but there was something that basically prompted them to check the garden mm. and they did that's when they found leona carpenter mm. her body she was a 78 year old woman who was buried in the property so during this time she very calmly said i i i forgot oh nephew it was the nephew she she wanted to go meet with her nephew for coffee. So she said, Do you want, she asked if she needed to be there. They were like, no, they couldn't hold her on anything yet. And she very calmly went across the they street. They found a dead body in her garden. She went Might to have been coffee? before they got the body out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she <laughs> like, actually, yeah, it was, it was. So they were like, yeah. And so she very calmly went across the street. Then they found the dead. Yeah, it was oh, after okay. they found the dead body because then they realized, shit, she fled. She, yeah so so she did in fact flee and they found nine bodies everson gilmouth was in the riverbank um ruth monroe leona carpenter burt montoya dorothy miller benjamin fink james gallup vera Faye martin and betty palmer most of them had been drugged uh until overdose then she had wrapped them in bed sheets and plastic lining before dragging them into backyard for their burial mm -hmm. what's with burying people in your garden like why is this a thing why is it a thing i don't know um definitely check out our daybell vallow episode for that reference that's mm -hmm. a fun one that was a fun garden of bodies yes it was um she was not originally a suspect well, she's just a little old lady. Mm -hmm. She, she, I mean, she had an answer for everything. So she was originally, um, saying, trying to say like the bodies were there before she moved in. That was her, that was her smart, right? They didn't buy, it was just been there. they didn't buy that one, especially after they did DNA testing and the families were like, no, they lived with her. Yeah. So she was like, huh? And so they, they caught her. Um, I want to say it was a couple of years later. Um, uh, actually, I think it might have been like a couple of months later. I don't think it was that long. Mm -hmm. But anyway, they uh, they caught her. She was in a disguise. She had made herself look even older. <laughs> she now looked like she was in her 80s. Did she like draw on wrinkles? I think she might have actually. And she had colored her hair another, she'd gone even whiter. That's wild. And yeah, and so they caught her. Um, and then she basically like 
I, I want to say it was like an, they, they brought her in a helicopter. Like they oh. caught her and like put her in the helicopter and brought her because they didn't want to, they didn't want her running away. <laughs> no copy for you. So she, I, when she was in the helicopter, you'll have to quote me on this. If you watch the documentary, she was just like, yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it for me. Yeah, we are. <laughs> she was basically just like, yeah. And then during the questioning, she was very like, it's very, it's a very like eerie. It's very eerie to watch her in questioning with the police because she was just she seemed to really not have remorse That's but also she was very creepy literally a psychopath yeah with like no actual emotions yeah she was very creepy very very creepy just like and every you cannot find a picture of dorothy Puente that's not creepy of her just like staring right. actually this is probably the least creepy picture i've seen of her <laughs> because she's just like when she smiles <gasps> it's even worse because she's just like so, she actually was only convicted of three of the murders because the jury couldn't agree on the other six. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Several days of deliberation, jury was deadlocked seven to five. Um, there was a mistrial. Um, further deliberations, basically, the judge said weren't going to change their mind. So, she received life without the possibility of parole, wow. but I know she was, they were, like, thinking of death row for her. Wow. Um, she was incarcerated at Central California Women's Facility. Um, for the rest of her life, she maintained her innocence. Uh, and she said they all died of natural causes. She, she was like, they all died of natural causes. And then she died of natural causes in 2011 at 82. Wow, the irony. Mm-hmm. So maybe somebody drugged her and killed her? I mean, when she was 82... Hey, people are living into their late 90s these days. Uh, so, um, there have been a lot of crime shows that have uh, have featured her. Crime Stories, Deadly Women, which is a good one. Check that out. A Stranger in My Home. <laughs> Sounds fun. World's Most Evil Killers. And Worst Roommate Ever, which is the Netflix one that just came out recently. Oh. Um, the 1991 film Evil Spirits with Karen Black and Artie Johnson neither of whom I've heard of <laughs> is loosely based on those murders um, in 1998 she began talking with uh, Shane Bugby and uh, they came out with Cooking with a Serial Killer because she was apparently a good cook <laughs> originally when I read this I thought they made a cookbook together oh, that would have been like fun. yeah um there was a, a tour of her house in one year, and it was filmed and shown at a film festival. Oh. Ghost Adventures. Ghost Adventures. Their crew investigated oh. her house. Uh, the current owners of the house are in the Quibi miniseries Murder House. Is Flip. it London? I don't think so. Oh, boring. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, so this came out in March, this documentary. And so, oh, here she is again. So anyway, that is, uh, those are Dorothea Puente's murders. What did you think about this one? It's a wild ride. Yeah, I know. You'll have to check the documentary out. Going to. Oh, okay. We're going to watch it right now. Oh, are we? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were kicking me out at seven. My husband hasn't texted me yet. Oh. Well, anyway... <laughs> Anywho, um, 
yeah, so she she is she was nuts. She's as you can see very attractive. Um, maybe to goats, not to me, but um, but I, I think llamas or something would find her pretty. I don't know, something like that, like an animal. Um, she kind of looks like one in that picture. But does uh, she, she have teeth? No, I don't think so. Oh, I think maybe when I think somebody might have like punched her and she lost them. They were just sick of her. Mm. Dorothy Aponte. Anyway, would you ever disguise yourself as an old lady to lure people in? Yes. I figured you would say that. That's why I thought you would like this case. <laughs> yeah? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. Shit. Like, there might be some people that... Uh, I'm just picturing myself going up to, like, you know, one of your friends, something like, oh, I'm a friend of Michelle's. They're like, oh, you are, like, and... <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but, like, we just get to talking, and then... They say something along the lines of like, like, so have you gone to the nursing home lately to see her? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, that's where she's staying. <laughs> that's where I'm moving. Like, no, she's coming to mess. Like, that's my new apartment. She's 79 years old. Why is she coming to the club tonight? <laughs> I'm moving to the nursing home. It all makes sense now. <laughs> it all makes sense. To me, she's, she's in her 30s, but to everybody else, <laughs> they're like, oh, Michelle, the octogenarian. Um, anyway, we are going to end this with a, uh, a piece of advice from the old lady. Don't trust your grandma. <laughs> okay. And on that note, um, don't go trust go anyone that looks like a grandma. <laughs> on that note, go call your grandma and ask her, uh, um, ask her if she's murdered anyone. <laughs> Ask her if she survived the, uh, if she ever lived with Dorothy Puente, And, um, or if she would. If you can go back in time, would you do it? Would you do it? I could take her. Yeah. Yeah. Although it, it did seem she had, she had a swing on her. Anyway. Join us next week where we will do, uh, the disappearance of the Sodder children. Have a, uh, great end of the month of May, even though you'll be listening to this well into June. And uh, you'll actually, they'll probably be listening to this around your birthday. Fun. So if you're listening to this around June 13th, wish Michelle a happy birthday. Gemini season. What? what? Her evil twin. Who do, you, who do you think is recording today? Your evil twin is the stand that holds up my phone. <laughs> ow, 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 ow. Oh, wow. I took that literally. <laughs> we gotta go. We gotta go.